Well, thank you for joining in our singing this morning. You always bless me with your wonderful way of singing and, and praising our wonderful Lord together. Well, today is the uh, last Sunday of our uh, month-long emphasis and uh, people wearing shirts says, I love my church. And uh, I want to thank those of you who bought shirts and wear them, and I'd encourage you to wear it around and advertise so that people can know about the Lord's Church here at the Colonies. I want to talk to you today about Paul's favorite church. Now, when I come to that, when I think about that, it, it's difficult for a, a preacher to say, this is my favorite church. Uh, Lunell and I have lived in several places. Our uh, first church that we lived at and worked with was the church in Thermopolis, Wyoming. Uh, we just got married and moved to Thermopolis, and uh, right next door to us was the fellow who was the bishop of the Mormon church. So we got to know him. I had a Bible study with him, and at the end of the study, he said, uh, Dick, if I was not a Mormon, I'd be in the Church of Christ. And I said, well, I wish that you were in the Church of Christ. He was a lovely man, had a great family, had two uh, teenage boys, and I could not keep those teenage boys out of my house. I mean, they were over there to see my beautiful 20-year-old bride, and uh, she was good to them, and uh, we made good friends with them, but uh, we never did convert them. But you know, as, as you look back at, at a church, you know, there are people that you love, and there are things that have happened to you that, that you just don't forget. Uh, when I was in college, one of the things that I did to make it a little extra, there was a group of us guys who refereed basketball games. And I joined the uh, basketball association there of referees and we'd go out and referee games and make a little extra money there. And uh, when we moved to Thermopolis, uh, the high school there said, uh, you know, we need referees. I said, well, I've refereed a lot of games before. I'd, I'll sign up to do it. And so Lunell and I went to the first game. And uh, have you ever noticed how people boo the referees? I mean, you know, they holler about this or that. And after the game, Lunell said, that's it. No more of this. I, I can't take that. We're doing no more refereeing. So we didn't do any refereeing, but, but we loved those people and, and we loved that church. And, you know, I think that uh, Paul had that same kind of experience. We don't know for sure, but most experts think that Paul established about 20 churches. Now, he never said, this is my favorite, but most people believe that his favorite was the church in Philippi. And he wrote the uh, letter that we know of as the book of Philippians. Let me kind of tell you a little bit about that church and why maybe Paul had it as maybe his favorite church. We find the establishment of the church uh, in Philippi in Acts chapter 16, verses 14 through 40. And Philippi was named after Philip. And Philip was the father of Alexander the Great. One day, Paul had a vision. And the vision was of a man saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Now, what we know of as Macedonia was a part of Europe and what we know of today as Greece. Paul had never been to Europe. 
And so when he got that call to come over into Macedonia, he's going to make his first trip over into Europe. Uh, Erdman, in his commentary on Philippians, said this, It was the first city of Europe in which was established the Church of Christ. I thought that was kind of interesting. So when Paul went to the city of Philippi, he went with the idea of establishing a church there. Over in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 12, we find that uh, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, spoke these words. He said, We traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony. Now, it's important for you to understand what a Roman colony was. Rome would typically send about 300 families into a city that they thought was important in order to establish a lifestyle that was what was going on in Rome. And the people, when they would come there, they would establish what we would call kind of a miniature Rome so that people would know about what Rome was like. And the people then had Roman language, Roman dress, and they followed Roman customs. Now that was going to be a little bit different place for Paul to go. And when he came, his usual strategy was to head for the Jewish synagogue. Now you may realize that there were three places of worship that we understand that these people followed. First of all was the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was a tent, and God laid out exactly how He wanted the tent constructed so that the worship of the people would be such that... Uh, they one day a year would have, on the Day of Atonement, they would have their sins roll forward. And then after the people then settled, we find the second place of worship was the temple. And the temple was built in Jerusalem, and worship went on in the temple for a good while. But while the people were in bondage in uh, the Babylonian captivity, they weren't have access to the tabernacle, and the temple had not been built and so they formed what was known as the synagogue. And the synagogue was very much like the church today. And there was singing and there was teaching. And then always at the end of the service, the rabbi who was in charge would say, Does anybody have anything they'd like to share? Well, guess what? Paul always had something to share. And he would tell them about Jesus and how that the Lord came as the answer to what was going on uh, in their lives. Now when he came to uh, the city of Philippi, it was going to be unusual. His normal pattern was to head for the synagogue because he knew that he would have an audience and he could teach them about Jesus. But evidently, there were not any synagogues going on in Philippi. In order to have a synagogue, you had to have ten men. It didn't matter how many women you had, you had to have ten men if there was to be a synagogue. But evidently there were not ten Jewish men in the city of Philippi who wanted to worship God. You see, it was a city that had many cultures, many races, and many religions. Now, as Paul then said, well, what am I going to do? There's no synagogue for me to go with. And he heard that out by the river on the Sabbath day, there were a group of women who were meeting together in prayer. And Paul says, you know, that's where I need to go. I need to be out there where these who have some Jewish roots, that I will be able to help them understand the Word of God. So, he headed out to the river 
so that he could be able to teach the Word of God to the women who were gathered there to worship and to pray. Now the church is going to be made up of three very unlikely groups. First of all, we find that when Paul went out by the riverside, he met a woman by the name of Lydia. And Lydia is described here as being a wealthy woman, and she was a seller of purple cloth. Now that was the most expensive cloth that was to be found in those days. It had a dye that came out of the head of a fish, and it was very rare and evidently very beautiful. And here was Lydia, a woman who had made a trip from Thyatira to Philippi and set up a business. And evidently being a Jewish woman, she was on the Sabbath day out by the river. And Paul went out there and began to teach the Word of God. The Bible says in Acts 16 verses 14 and 15 that she heard the Word of God. She became a believer and she and all of her household were baptized. Evidently, there were a number of ladies who had come with her, and they had set up this business, and they all became believers, and they all were baptized. Evidently, Lydia had a big house because she said to Paul, I want you to make my house your headquarters. So evidently, Paul and Silas moved in and used that house as a place for them to conduct their missionary work, and they were the first members of the Church of Christ in Philippi. Well, according to Acts 16, verse 16, Paul made many numerous trips out to the riverside. Evidently, he wanted to uh, use that opening that he had, and probably Lydia helped him, and no way of telling how many people out here were baptized. Can you imagine a scene like this? Here is Lydia, the... Uh, noted leader, a very well-to-do, very cultured lady, and people out there see her going down into the water and being baptized. And then they see one after another, people who work for her, they are all baptized. And don't you know that that drew a lot of attention? And people wonder, what's going on? And so Paul had an opportunity to, evidently to teach many people there, but beginning with Lydia. Well, one day... According to uh, the Scriptures, when Paul was making one of the trips out there, there was a girl who was a slave girl who began to follow them. And this slave girl had a spirit in her that uh, evidently was demonic. And she had been able to foretell the future. And there were people who used her to make money. Well, this girl would follow along behind Paul and Silas and say, these men are from God, and they want to tell you how to be saved. Well, evidently, Paul thought that wasn't very good advertising. Because here was a woman that was thought of as being one that had a demonic spirit. And I kind of think of our election going on, and uh, one of the guys that uh, said he was going to support Donald Trump was David Duke. You may remember Duke was the fellow who was the active guy in the KKK and. Trump said, no, I don't want your support. Well, here, evidently, Paul had the same way, and he cast the spirit out of this girl. Well, now with that spirit out of her, she could continue to follow Paul, and people would know that she really was uh, advertising for these men who were teaching the will of God and the way of God. Well, 
when the men who had been using this slave girl saw what had happened to her, they realized they were going to be able to make any money anymore with her, but she had that spirit out of her. And so they dragged, the Bible says, Paul and Silas up before the magistrates, and the Bible says that these men said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans. They're trying to upset this city. They're trying to get everybody to follow after this Jesus, and we Romans are being upset by it. And the Bible says that they then were beaten with rods. And after they were beaten with rods, they were taken down to the jail and thrown into the local jail. Well, the jailer then had the job of taking care of these men. And the Bible says that uh, he was warned to give them the uh, best treatment uh, for the most uh, vicious criminals. So the Bible says that he put them in the inner prison and he put their feet in stocks. That's the way that you would treat the most dangerous of criminals. And here were Paul and Silas in jail. Well, evidently the jailer got everything kind of settled in, so he said, I'll just take a nap, and he went to sleep. But about midnight, the Scriptures say, that Paul and Silas began praying and singing so that everybody could hear them. And suddenly, there was an earthquake that was divinely caused. And this earthquake caused all the jail doors to be open. And everybody who was in chains for the chains to come off of them. Evidently, those who were in stocks would be released from their stocks. And the jailer woke up and he saw all the doors open. He saw all the criminals no longer chained. And he thought, oh no, I'm in deep trouble. I'm going to be uh, killed for this. And he pulled out his sword to take his own life. And Paul called and said, don't do yourself any harm. We're all still here. And he got a lantern and came in, and lo and behold, it was just exactly as Paul had said. They had not all scattered and run. And so then he asked this great question, Acts 16, verse 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Don't you know that Paul loved hearing that? You know, somebody wanting to know about salvation. And this jailer evidently knew nothing about our Lord until that time. And the Scripture says that uh, uh, Paul said to him this, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. All of you who come to be believers in Jesus are going to be saved. And the Bible says that he then took them to his house and he bandaged their wounds and then Paul taught him the Word of God. And as Paul taught him the Word of God, this man... And all of his family, according to verse 33, were all baptized into Christ. Now, did you happen to notice the time it was? It started at midnight. And so this is sometimes in the wee hours of the morning. Sometimes people wonder, well, is baptism important? Well, Paul says here, immediately he took them and they were all baptized into Christ. I love Acts 16.34 that says, And they were filled with joy because they had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. The whole family was baptized and all of them now are Christians and all of them now are a part of the church. 
Now, you see what the makeup of the church is? Uh, they have Lydia, and in verse 14 of Acts 16, it says that she was a worshiper of God. And, and most Bible scholars take that to mean that she was not raised Jewish, but that she was a Jewish convert, and she had converted over to Judaism. And she was from Thyatira, and Thyatira was in Asia, so evidently Lydia was Asiatic in her race. Now, the little girl who was a slave girl, they thought if she was just one of the locals, she was a Greek. And then here is the man who was a jailer, he was a Roman. Now, can you imagine all this diversity here in the church? And you know the good thing about it? The church is open to people of all races and all backgrounds, and they all can become a part of the church, even as these people did in Philippi. Evidently, these were the people that Paul really came to love. Kind of interesting little note that follows there in Acts chapter 16 that says that the next morning, the officials of the town realized what had happened. That there had not been any trial, and they had treated these men wrong in beating them. And so they sent word down to the jail and said, Release Paul and Silas and let those guys go. And Paul sent back a message and said, Uh-uh, we're not leaving. We were Roman citizens, and we were falsely accused and beaten without a trial. If you want us to get out of here, you come down and let us out. So the officials from the city, I think, very timidly came down and said, Please, we want you to leave town. We want you out of here. And I love the last part there of Acts chapter 16 as it describes what takes place. It says that Paul went to meet with Lydia at her household. And it says, And we met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Oh, these people that Paul had come to love and, and grown to feel close to as the church here in Philippi, he met with them one last time. The brothers and sisters, all those who had become a part of the family of God, and how Paul loved them. Well, now if you've got your Bible, let me introduce to you then the book that Paul wrote called The Letter to the Philippians. If you've got your Bible, flip over, if you will, to the book of Philippians. Now, let me tell you, when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, it had been ten years since he started the church in Philippi. Ten years. And during that time, they had several times sent offerings to Paul to help him on his missionary journeys. And I tell you, these people loved Paul, and Paul loved them. Now, if you really want to know what this letter is all about, it's a letter to Paul say, I want to thank you for all the things you have done and the way you have blessed me. And let me just show you here in chapter 1 what Paul said to him so that you can know how he felt about this church. Chapter 1, verse 1. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus in Philippi. Ah, you are God's holy people. I know who you are. Then we find in... Uh, Verse 4, he said this, I always pray with joy because of your, your partnership from the first day until now. He said, you know, when I pray and just see what you've done, it just fills me with joy because of what you have done. And then in verse 7, he says this, 
I have you in my heart. And then note, if you will, in verse 8, he said, I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Oh, how Paul loved that church and how he loved those people who were in that church. But you know, there was one thing that Paul did not ever want them to forget. And that is, I know you love me. I know that you've sent gifts to me. I know you want to honor me. But there's one thing that you need to never forget. And that the center of our life is not me, but it is Jesus Christ. And I never want you to forget what Jesus Christ has done and who He is. I want to share with you, if I may, from the uh, New Living Translation, this letter that Paul wrote to understand who Jesus was and why He was so important in their life. If you got your Bible, the most uh, important part of the book of Philippians is chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And listen to what Paul wrote. Chapter 2, verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Paul said, I never want you to forget that the center of our life is Jesus Christ. And your attitude, the way you look at life, the way you treat people, the way you do things, is to be the way Jesus did. Because He is our life. He is our all. And then he begins in verse 6 with these words. Though He was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He said He was God, but He didn't think holding on to that was the most important thing. There was a uh, publication that came out this last week about the salaries of college coaches. And the coach that makes the most money is the coach at the University of Michigan named Jim Harbaugh, and his salary is $9 million a year. I'd say it's pretty good for a football coach, wouldn't you? And uh, I want you to imagine that uh, here he is, the head coach, but rather than just being the head coach, that he was the co-head coach. And there were two of them. And these two guys were doing all they could to build a football team for Michigan. But there was a recruit that they really wanted. And everybody was telling him they wanted him and how good he was and everything. And the, and the boys thinking, you know, nobody really cares about me. They just want me because I'm such a good player and everything. And so Harbaugh says this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to resign my job here as the coach. I'm going to give up my title as being the head coach at Michigan. I'm going to sacrifice, and I'm going to give up my salary of $9 million. And what I'm going to do is, I'm going to treat this boy like I was his daddy. And as the boy sees him and hears him, he knows that he's given up his title, he's given up his salary, he's given up the prestige that goes with that job that he had, all so that he might be able to help that boy. I want you to see that that's where Jesus was. Look with me, if you will, then in verse 7. Instead, He gave up His divine privileges. 
He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And that's what we call the incarnation. Here, Jesus said, I'm giving up my rights. I'm giving up my title. I'm giving up my authority. I'm giving up all that I have as God. And I'm going to come to the earth as a human being so that these people will know how I love them and how I care for them. The next verse says, verse 8, When He appeared in human form, He humbled Himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Can you imagine someone who is God, who would be willing to die on a cross? Verse, five, verse uh, 9, Therefore God exalted Him to the place of highest honor, and gave Him the name above all other names. Well, what was that name? Most people believe that that name was Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Many people believe that that was the confession that was made before people were baptized as outlined in chapter 6 of the book of Romans. So verses 10 and 11 end with this. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He said what everyone should do is they should honor Jesus for what He has done. And may you never forget that it was your Lord's death on the cross that offered you the way of salvation. And this wonderful church in Philippi that Paul loved, he is so thankful for them, and he is glad that they're going to be able to truly honor Jesus. That every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. One day Donald Trump is going to be confessing Jesus is Lord as he is on his knees before Jesus. One day Hillary Clinton will be on her knees and confess that Jesus is Lord. And one day President Obama will be on his knees and he will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see what Paul hopes is that people are going to be like Jesus and they will have humility and obedience and self-renunciation, even as did Jesus. You see, it was not Jesus' desire to dominate men. He came to serve men. Jesus did not come to do the things His way, but He came to do things God's way. And He did not come to exalt Himself, but He came to sacrifice Himself so that people could be saved. And that's why in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, after Peter had confessed that he was the Messiah, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. You see, you and I have a chance to be in the Lord's church because of the Lord's sacrifice and because of what He gave up and what He did so that we could all be in His family. And I love the church. I love the church everywhere, and I love the church of the colonies because you are special people to me. Would you pray? 
Holy Father, what a great honor it is to have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And Father, how wonderful it is to know what He has done for us so that we could be in Your family, the church. I just pray, Father, You'll bless this church and help us to do those things that will honor our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation, and maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you'd like to, you know, I'd like to be baptized today. Everything's in readiness if you want to. Maybe you'd like to uh, ask for prayers. The elders will be at the back, and there's a prayer room if you'd like for them to join you in prayer about a matter. There's any way we could be an encouragement to you. If you'd like to come, do it right now as we just stand and sing our song of invitation together. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord.